How many remember these? <laughs> we'll get to that in a, in a minute. You can be seated. It's great being here this morning. It's really an honor and a privilege to be able, with, to, be able to be with you. Uh, Pastor Tim called me last night, prayed with me, and, and he does want you to know just how much he misses you, loves you, as he's really in Hawaii, but that's another thing. Um, and uh, he just wants, you know, sorry, I had to. He just really wants you to know just he misses you and loves you. And uh, it is a privilege to be here. We love your pastors dearly. We have great relationships here. And uh, when we come up to Ocala, this is our second home. Uh, this church means a lot to us over many, many, many years. And just Pastor Tim's influence in my life as a mentor and just watching him and watching you grow has been a real inspiration to us because we're just a couple steps behind you guys. We're growing and, you know, it's great to learn from somebody who uh, does it very well. Amen. And so you guys are very, very blessed. You know, I love his statement that you guys have, a summer jump, not a summer slump. Um, and today, I hope that just doesn't happen uh, in the church, the summer, and the giving and attendance. But how many know we also need a summer jump spiritually? That we never want to take a break from the things of God. In my church, I always tell visitors this and people who have just started coming, I always say, you know, give, give us a year. You can't get it in a week. You can't get it in a month. And just how important it is to just faithfully come to church and begin to trust God and to believe God and just see how faithful God will be as you come for a year and hear and begin to do what the pastor of this church is telling you to do and get involved with the vision and the flow of the ministry, not just the services, but the events and everything. And if you'll come in, in, in back home, I tell them, so when you come, if you come in and get involved to where we're headed, I tell you, you won't want to leave after a year because you will see God's faithfulness and you'll see your life better and it'll be changed after that time. And no, this is a, it, Christianity, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Amen. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, get your running shoes on. Okay. Turn to your other neighbor and say, not flip-flops. All right. <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about faith for real life. Faith for real life. Faith is one of those subjects I, in my heart, believe we can never hear enough about. And so I want to talk about faith for real life, because how many know we all live in the real world? And things happen in the real world we don't always understand. So would you stand up one more time with me? And I want to read a verse with you. And I want you to read this out loud. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. And it's in Hebrews 10, verse 38. And when I say read it out loud, that means your neighbor needs to hear you. Okay, I want to hear you. So let's read this together. Say this, say, Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Let's read it again. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church, the great things that they are doing in this city. I thank you for everyone present here this morning. 
Lord, let my words be your words. Let faith arise. Let us leave here today with hope, knowing that if there's been a situation in the past that has seemed to cause us to be frustrated or stuck in our walk, that we can realize that, God, you are faithful, and you will help us finish our course. And what you started, you do want to finish. So we thank you for this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now would you stand up again? (laughs) No, I'm serious. Stand up, stand up. Come on, stand up. Okay, you can be seated. No, 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 get up. One more time. Come on, one more time. Stand one more. Come on, stand up. Come on, everyone, stand up. One more time. Now turn to your left, turn to your right, turn around, do the hokey pokey. We're gonna be great. Okay, now, sit down. You can sit down. I won't ask you one more time. Trust me, I won't do it. Do you realize you use your faith every day? And you don't realize it? We all use our faith every day. When you go to Target, do you ever wonder if those automatic doors are going to open up? No, because you've had them open up every single time you've gone there. Now, why did I have you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down? I want to ask you a question. When you were doing that, were you getting frustrated with me or the chair? (laughs) Me. But did you at one time, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, go, oh my gosh, this next time this chair won't hold me? Why? Because you have faith in that chair. So if we can put that much faith in a chair, should we not be able to put more faith in our Heavenly Father? To trust Him with our lives. But like all of us, we have situations in the real world that come up that sometimes we don't understand. Has anyone in here ever been disappointed? Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever felt stuck? You know, I'm glad I'm home. (laughs) Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you just maybe stopped for a second and began to question faith in this whole Christianity thing? Does this really work? Something happens and can't figure it out and go, you know, maybe I should just throw the towel in. If you haven't, I have. You know, in my life, I've had things happen throughout the years where when I was 18, I had a situation arise where I really began to question if tomorrow was worth living. Over 15 years ago, my wife and I got to a point where we just about separated. A few years back at our church, we got in a lawsuit with the SEC that wasn't our fault, and we almost lost everything. When my wife and I started in ministry in Belarus, we sold everything, moved over to Belarus to help a ministry, and only to find out that when we were in the States meeting with the leader over there, that he lied to us about everything, and when we got there after about seven months, 
He brought us into the leader of our organization and absolutely lied to us in front of him. And when that meeting was done, after getting yelled at for 30 minutes, we walked out going, is this worth it? I gave my life up. Sold everything. I brought my one-year-old and three-year-old over to Russia. Took my wife over there. And all of a sudden now, I want to quit. Why? See, we've all had these situations in life, and, and, and like Pastor Tim's last message, we have a, his last series, we have a message worth sharing. But Satan's going to come and try and stop that process. And, and, and here's my little camera. You guys remember this? And, and this is what happens. Can you smile? We allow a snapshot or a moment in time. Maybe it's depression. We need to go back to this. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Oh, you got lucky. It's it's said for. It's said for. Maybe it's a foreclosure. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a death in a family. And you stop and you go, I don't get this. And then we look at a moment in time or a snapshot in time. And we try to base God off of a moment instead of a lifetime. And then we get stuck in that moment and we can't move forward. So if we're always stuck on bad news, how can we share good news or something worth sharing? And I think in all of our lives, we've had situations happen to us where we've got stuck on a moment and it hinders our faith when we need to look at God's faithfulness over our whole lifetime. Because everyone in this room is always, we're all going to have those moments that are going to frustrate us. We don't understand. But when you look at God as a whole and everything he's done in our lives and other people's lives, God will finish what he started in your life. But we can't let those moments, those snapshots, we, when things are hard, we can't just keep those snapshots and pull them out and, and use them as, as excuse and go, see, see, look what's happening in my life. I can't move forward. You can. Why? Because God's faithful. And what we know about faith is this, is that faith is a progression. Faith is a journey. You know, you've seen those commercials, risk-free 90 days? No, not in church, Okay. It's just a lifestyle, and so we have to look at faith as a journey, as a lifestyle, and not just from moments that confuse us. So what do we do? Well, we have to look at faith from a progression, from the instance we start this journey till the day we end, and realize that if we keep moving forward, God will be faithful in our lives. He will redeem what we've lost. He's not the cause of it, but he's the redeemer of it. Amen? Amen? 
and he'll redeem these situations, but we have to keep moving forward. It's called progression. The progression of faith, which we're going to see here in just a minute in Hebrews 11. Because like I said, those of you that just started coming, we don't figure it out in a day or a week or a month or a year. It is a lifetime. The just shall live. Say live. Live. By faith. What is progression of faith or what is progressive faith or it's simply this. God starts with the principle and as you go through the Bible, that principle is added onto. We call it progressive revelation. We call it progressive revelation and we're going to see this in Hebrews 11, progressive revelation from the first few chapters in Hebrews 11. So God starts with a principle and he begins to add on it through the Bible. And God starts us here, here a little, there a little. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith grows by doing and acting. Progression. Progressive revelation. It's like going on a vacation. Have you ever went to somebody's house that just got back from Hawaii? And they go, let me show you the pictures, and they bring out a truckload. Now, if you want to understand the whole vacation, you have to look at all of them. If they just pulled out one picture, would you get a feel of how the whole vacation went? No. So it's progressive revelation where you need to see this photo, then this photo, then this photo. And when you look at the photos as a whole, you get a feel of what the whole picture is about, the whole vacation was about. So, you know, Pastor John and I went on vacation a while back. And, um, you know, if I just showed you one picture, it wouldn't give the whole story of how our vacation went. But I, I, I grabbed a couple snapshots from that vacation. So can you guys put the first one up? Look at that. We decided to go up to Alaska and go, tra- and go salmon fishing. Look at that big old salmon. Now, isn't Pastor John having a great time? And doesn't it look like we had a great vacation together? Well, can you show the next slide? <laughs> well, how do we know that changes the whole viewpoint of how his vacation, our vacation went? It wasn't as good as we thought. We didn't catch as many big fish because look what happens. Well, can I show you the, like, one more? You know, let's get the whole picture here. See, see, there I am saving Pastor John. Okay, there's, so that's progressive revelation. Do, do, we, do, we got, do we have that now? You know, it, he really didn't have that great of a vacation. I had to save him. Okay? So this is progressive revelation. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we're going to look at three individuals. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. They're the first three men that are talked about in Hebrews 11. And what we're going to see here is progressive revelation in our lives. But there's an enemy of your soul. His name's Satan. We live in a sin-cursed world. And we're all going to have things that will come up to try to keep us living in a moment of time. And when we live in a moment, 
we can never move forward because we're always living in the past. And how many know faith is now, faith is present, faith is future? So how can, if we're always living in that moment during those snapshots you guys have, if we're always living in them, how can we then share our faith for those who need to hear it and are going forward in our future? Well, the first one we're going to look at is Abel, but let's read starting in verse 1. Now faith, this is out of the New King James, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which, were, which are visible. Now look at verse 4. By faith, Abel. Say Abel. Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch. Say Enoch. Enoch. Was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. You gotta love the iPad, everybody. Um, by Enoch was taken away so he did not see death and was not found because God had not taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, say Noah. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So let's stop with Abel, and we're talking about progressive revelation. So the first three stories we see about the great hall of fame of faith God lays out these three individuals first. And I believe that he did it for a reason. It gives us a good progression of how our faith should grow. Why Abel? Because we know this with Abel's life is that Abel was a worshiper of God. In the Phillips translation it says, It was because of this, verse 4, It was because of his faith that Abel made a better sacrifice. So the first example of faith that we see in the Bible, it's about giving something to God, not receiving something from God. And I think in our lives, when we come to God, yes, we come as a need in different times of our lives. We come for God to save us. But in reality, we need to realize that God wants us to be worshipers of him first before anything else. That Abel came to offer something, to give something, not just wanting to receive something. And I think maybe sometimes in our lives, we just want God as our personal problem solver instead of our personal savior. So when we look at progressive faith, our first part of faith should always be upward to God. God, I love you. 
God, I want to worship you. God, I want to give you my life. God, I want to serve in your church. God, I want to take care of your kingdom. God, I worship you and I have a relationship with you so much. There is something that's changed me that I want the world to see. Are we doing that? Or is it just, I need this from you, Lord. Heal my body, meet my needs, do this in my life. We all know this verse, Matthew 6. 33 and 34. We all know this. What does it say? It says, set your heart, and this is the Phillips translation, set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness and all, say all, these things will come to you as a matter of course or in time. As a matter of course. Seek first. Set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness First, And when we do that, all these things will come to us, not in always in a moment, but over our whole lifetime, we will see all of God's goodness come to pass. But you know what Satan does? And a friend of mine said this. He says it doesn't say seek the kingdom exclusively. But first... And you know what Satan does? He comes and says, you know, if you get involved in that Meadowbrook church, they're going to want you there all the time. You're going to have to serve and never, ever get a break. And if you come and if you give your life to God, you're going to have to pray 12 hours a day. Those people just get weird. But you, no, no, it ain't that. Or you're going to have to do this. And once you give your life to God, you know more vacations. It's church, church, church. It doesn't say exclusively. Do you know God wants you to go on vacations? Do you know God wants you to spend time with your family? Do you know you don't have to give all your money? He just says the 10% and then giving on top of that. To bless others. But it doesn't say exclusively. And sometimes I think that hinders us from moving forward and doing something for the kingdom of God. Because if, if we, oh, no, no, well, then we can't do anything. You know, in our church, it's simply this. We believe in a Christ-centered life. That when you, when you revolve your life around Christ, everything else works out. It means you have time for your kids. You have time to go to the Minnesota Twins games. Oh, you got to forget that. You have time for Miami or Tampa. Or you have time to go to Hawaii. You have time to go fishing with John and I. You have time to go see your kids play sports. But if you put God first, then you still should have time to serve and give. But not exclusively. So this is why it's so important that we understand this progression that when God is first, everything else works out. When we worship him first. And then what we see with Enoch is this. that moves to the second progression. Remember, progressive revelation. God gives us a little here and a little there. And as you go through the Bible, we get a bigger picture. So what we see with Enoch is this. He just walked with God. Enoch just walked with them. Enoch had a friendship with God. Enoch had a relationship with God. Listen, church isn't how many scriptures we can quote or how good we can talk and speak it. It's how we walk it with them. How we live it. 
And so not only do we start with uh, worship, but then we need to walk it out in our lives. We need to walk with God every day. And how many know moments will want to stop that walk? You go into work and you get that pink slip. You come home and the bags are packed. Door is locked. You come home and you get the foreclosure notice. How many know we all have those moments in time where we don't want to walk one more step? But can I tell you, you know what faith is many times? Faith many times is just simply this. You make a choice that I'm going to take one more step. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God, my faith is in you. My trust is in you because I've seen what you've done in the past. But right now at this moment, I just got to take another step. What does Pastor Tim always say? I'm either up or getting up. Another step. One more time. You're not going to want to. But you're going to get up and you're going to take that step and say, you know, I know the Bible is true. I know God's word is true. I've walked with God. He's my friend. I know how he's helped me. I'm going to keep walking. And I'm not going to let that snapshot destroy my life. Because if you look at a couple gentlemen along these lines, how many, know, how many of you know that Joseph's snapshot was almost 14 years in the Bible? How about Job? Poor old Job. His snapshot was 9 to 12 months. But then he lived almost 140 more years. And how many know 9 to 12 months shouldn't destroy all of our lives serving our Heavenly Father? We need to keep going. We need to keep walking. We need to keep moving ahead. What else do we know about Enoch? Well, when we look in Genesis 5, verse 21, it says, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And after he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Now, this is interesting to me. The way I read this, it seems like Enoch didn't begin his walk until he was 65 years old. It's never too late to start your walk. says he began to walk at 65 when he begat Methuselah. I guess if you named your kid that too, that might get you to serve God also. <laughs> hey parents, how many know kids change your perspective about a lot of things? When little Beelzebub is born, you want him in church. But I just think it's interesting that it says at 65 he began his walk after he became a parent. And that is really true. Our kids can and will change our perspective. Why? Because we want their walk better than our walk. And we want to give them the best opportunity, better than we had. And we deep down know God must be a part of that. That relationship, that walk. And we can't let anything get in between that. We can't let snapshots of bad things happen stop us from moving forward. And my relationship is between me and God. And remember... It's not a sprint, it's a walk, because he walked with them for 300 years. Now, we don't get that much time, but let's make sure we finish our time walking with him. And then, of course, we see Noah. And this is where it brings us in a progression of faith that we 
should want God in our lives, worship him. We should be like Enoch, then we should walk with him for every single day. And then I'm going to close with this gentleman, and it's Noah. And Noah was the witness. Let me put it back to Pastor Tim's last series. He had something worth sharing. And he couldn't hide it. How many know you can't hide a big boat? (laughs) For a hundred and some years. Every day he was a witness. And our Christianity should never be hid. You shouldn't be out of workplace of employment for five years and you're sitting down with somebody for lunch after five years and go, oh, you're a Christian too? It should be all over us the way we live. My bumper sticker shouldn't be my witness. Actually, if I had a bumper sticker, it would be a bad witness. The bumper stickers I put on my car, in case I cut you off, it says First Baptist of Ocala. So I just, that's, those are the type of bumper stickers I put on my car. Please don't send that to First Baptist of Ocala. But Noah was a witness. He had something worth sharing. And we see this in 2 Peter 2, verse 5. It says, And he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah couldn't hide his ministry. That word preacher means a herald, a proclaimer, an announcer. So for over 100 years, he proclaimed righteousness to a world that didn't listen. How would you like a hundred years of no fruit? Only eight got saved. How would you like over a hundred years of a public ministry? No one else came on that boat. But he had something worth sharing. He knew the goodness of God. He knew the grace of God. He knew the love of God and that the love of God still cared about every person at that time on the, in, the, in, the, in the world. And that is the same way God is today. So in closing, we know Abel is how we should start our life with God in worshiping, giving him something. And is worshiping God really worshiping without a sacrifice? Church, will we sacrifice and seek God's kingdom first and worship him with our time in our life? Then we know it goes not just from worship in my closet, my, my worship in relationship. Then we know it's a walk that people see for 300 years or however long our life is. It's a walk, a public walk. And that translates right over to Noah where our public walk is seen and, and we all have the good news worth giving to others. Will we share our faith? Will we quit living in the past? Will we quit living in that moment of disappointment? Will we quit living in that moment of hardship? Will we quit living in that moment of a divorce or a foreclosure or whatever's happened in your life? Bitterness, unforgiveness. 
Is that moment keeping you from moving forward with God in your progression of faith? I'd like to pray with you. Would you bow your heads? My my desire is this. I don't want us to be stuck on that bad news, that bad moment. So we can't move forward and share the goodness of God. That's why I opened up with that first verse where it says this, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, you know what those moments do? They get you to draw back. They get you to draw back. Will you take a step of a new progression of faith with me this morning? Maybe you've drawn back, maybe a moment, maybe a disappointment, maybe that snapshot you're still living with in your life. Some of you in this room, you're not serving the kingdom because of what happened at the last church. Listen, you're not in the last church anymore. You're in a new church. I don't know what your snapshot is, but I know that we serve a God that loves you and is faithful. And then will we progress in our faith to where we'll go, look at what God has done in my life and healed me from these moments, and I need to be able to share this with somebody else. I need to invite them to church. I need them. They need to see my life, how God has redeemed my hardships. And God will redeem your hardships over a lifetime. But you need to stick with it. You need to keep walking. You need to keep worshiping. You need to keep moving forward. You need to take that step.